Good morning, RCC. Isn't God good? And all the time, God is good. Amen. Amen. I bring you greetings from Wheaton College, where Jesus is Lord and King. Amen. And I am happy to be with you here on the Lord's Day. To all of the elders, thank you for taking the chance on the bald head preacher. Amen. Oh, are you in for a treat today? So happy to see you. Thank you again to the praise team. Can we give them a hand? What a wonderful job. They did. I can't wait to uh, hear more from that amazing, amazing team. Thank you to all the elders and the leaders that participated in the Zoom call the other night. We had a great time. It was so good to meet you. And now good to see all of you, my father's children. Amen. I brought my favorite amen section with me, so watch what you say today, all right? (laughs) My brother and sister are here, Brother Carl Cho and Sister Teresa Cho. Can you give them a hand, say amen for them? I know what you're saying. You're like, your brother, that's right. I stayed in the oven a little longer, made sure I was good and done before I got out here. And my nieces are here. Amen, the beautiful Olivia and Ellie Cho. Can we say amen for them? And then my queen of 31 years. This is how I announce her, guys. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. She is the sugar in my coffee. Oh, yes, she is. She is my queen. Would you stand for them, baby? Let them see you one more time. Amen. Now, guys, I do that for a couple of reasons. When she go to church with me, I like all the single guys to know that one belongs to me. Amen. And if you're looking for one, get you one, brothers. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm so happy to be with you here today. I'm a preacher, and in my tradition, preaching is powerful and is beautiful. But it's not done in isolation. That means it's not a spectator sport. So when you come to church, if you, get, if you want to get something out of the sermon, you've got to put something in. Can I get a witness right there? I'll give you a bunch of prompts as we go <laughs> so you can say amen or throw your head back or do whatever you want to do. Our text was read for us on today. Let me breathe a word of prayer on us now. Would you bow with me? Our Father and our God, thank you so much for this amazing expression of worship. Thank you for these, Lord, these saints you have called and summoned to be in this particular place on this particular day to read your word and to hear what your spirit has to say to the church. Father, would you grant me preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done? For we would see you, Jesus, high and lifted up is our prayer. Thank you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank God. Amen. Our reading was given to you for a reason. The Lord has been speaking with me over this passage this week, and I thought I would come and share it with you. How many of you know that life is filled with choices? And it's filled with choices along our journey from earth to heaven. Now, some of these choices that you and I will make will bring us joy, and some will bring us sorrow. 
In fact, my brothers and sisters, the story is told of an old farmer who hired a young, strong man to do some work for him on his farm. The first thing the farmer said to the young man is, I need to get this old barn painted. Do you think you could handle it? The young man said, yes, I think I can do that, brother farmer. The farmer says, well, it's probably going to take you two or three days to get it completed. To the farmer's amazement, he came back that afternoon and the barn was done. The farmer said, oh, oh, wow, this, this guy's really good. The second thing the farmer said, well, I got this, these trees that I've cut down and I need this wood chopped and put together in some nice piles around the barn. That's probably going to take you a good four days. Farmer came back at the end of the day to check on the young man. And guess what, beloved? The wood was complete. And then finally, the third task that the farmer had was for this young man to take this huge pile of potatoes and to arrange them into three separate piles. One pile was going to be for seed that would feed his hogs. The second pile would be for uh, potatoes that would be good just for the house. And the third would be for potatoes to sell at the local market. Farmer thought for sure he'd take this and knock this task out and be done in a day. He came back the following day and the piles had barely moved. So the farmer, interested in knowing what had happened to the young man, he said to the young man, well, what's, what seems to be the problem? The young man says, I can work hard all day, but my problem is I cannot make decisions. And I don't know where you are today, but if I was a betting man, the Christian life for somebody looking at me online or on land is probably just like that. You can serve all day long, but you have a problem like Mary and Martha in this text with making the right decisions or choosing the good part. And that's the title of my sermon today. I'm going to talk about choosing the good part. Martha, our sister, has this great idea, and her idea is to throw Jesus a party. She wants to invite the Messiah, the Son of God, to her house and entertain him to show her gratitude for all that he's done. Now, when it came time to throw this party, Martha, yes, thought it would be an amazing opportunity to not just invite Jesus, but also to invite the 12 disciples. And I want to unpack this text today because it gives me some concern. See, Martha in this passage represents what I call is the Martha mentality for the born-again believer. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Martha had the initiative and the ability to serve, but she didn't have it to sit. Can I get a witness right there? See, instead of being still and sitting with Jesus, she would rather fill her life up, wrapping it up with activities. And I'm concerned for the church today that we have become in North America a bunch of busy servants and not have the discipline to practice sitting with Jesus. So there's three things I'm going to talk about today, three points. Any good preacher worth their salt to give you three points and a conclusion. Are you listening? 
Well, number one today, I'm going to talk about Martha's, Martha's invitation. Secondly, I'm going to talk about Martha's irritation. And thirdly, I'll land the plane and I'll talk about Martha's information. I'll say it again for the people in the back and those online. We're going to talk about Martha's invitation, Martha's irritation, and Martha's information. Now, if you're going to help me preach, I need a good amen right there. Let's open the text. Verses 38 and 39, they'll be on the screen for you. Now, it happened, the Bible says, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister who was called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and she heard his words. Beloved, when we come to this first portion of the text, we get to see that when Jesus arrives in Martha's village, Martha extends an invitation for him to come to her house. She lived in a village that was called Bethany. Now, this decision tells us a lot about our sister and a lot about her willingness to serve the Messiah. First of all, as a rabbi, Jesus would have his students with him everywhere that he went. So it meant that an invitation to Jesus was an invitation to his community. Second of all, we see in this text that this act of service for Martha, number one, is going to be costly. And it's going to be costly because back then their economy would not be like ours. It would take a lot of days wages to feed this many men. Thirdly, we look in the text and we discover this would also mean Martha would have to clean, cook, cater to company in a short amount of time. Now I'm looking for my sisters to lean in right here and say, oh Lord, oh Lord. This means, guess what this teaches us ladies about her though? It meant that she could be inconvenienced. It, it meant that she could be relied upon and she had a skill sufficient enough to minister to Jesus and to his disciples. So why did I say that? Well, this was no normal guest. This was the one who gave sight to the blind. This was the one who had been known for raising the dead. This was the one who cast out demons, who walked on water, right? This was the one who cured diseases. This was no normal house guest. This was Emmanuel, God with us, and he was invited to come to her house. I feel like preaching today. Y'all going to help me? What a job this was. What a ministry she desired. What a service she took upon herself. And I'm sure, Sister Teresa, that this invitation caused Martha some stress. Yes. Why? Can I tell you why? Somebody say, why, Pastor? Because back then, hospitality was the main ministry for women in the Middle East. To host someone was to display how you were raised, what you were taught, 
and what you valued about family. Scholars say that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were all siblings, and Martha was the eldest, and back then they would dwell in the same home together. So this invitation would have not just been Martha's invitation, but rather it would have been an extension of her home, which most likely meant that she was counting on her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus to help with this party. Know something, I'm looking at the text. I believe it's a good thing to want to have Jesus to come home with you. I believe it's a good thing to want to have the disciples to come to your house and see how you live. I believe it's a noble thing to have a ministry of hospitality in the residence that God has blessed you with. And so Martha's invitation to Jesus, it really ought to be all our invitations, RCC. We ought to all be ministry-minded like this. And all of our homes ought to be the place where Jesus and his church are welcomed and invited. I believe an amen goes right there. In fact, let me raise a question for you. Is there anybody here today that can say Jesus is welcome in your home? Is there anybody here today that can say, not only pastor is Jesus welcome in my home, but the saints are welcome in my home as well? Or should I ask it another way? Is there anybody here ashamed of inviting Jesus to the house? If he came home with you, what would he find in your refrigerator? Uh Uh-oh, I think my mic went out. If he came home with you, What would he find in your basement? What would he find under your bed? Is there anything you need to go home and fix before Jesus comes to the house today? What a question. If you answered yes to this, then you are prepared somewhat for the ministry of hospitality. We've looked at Martha's invitation. Let me show you now Martha's irritation. Verse 40 on the screen. The Bible says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus, watch this, and she said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, Jesus, tell her to help me. (laughs) I like that verse right there. What's happening here? Well, beloved, Pastor John, when we come to this portion of the text, my brother, we get to see a change in Martha's attitude about her invitation. The Bible says that during the party, she got distracted with much serving. And when she got distracted, she got irritated at her sister, and she went to tell Jesus on her little sister Mary. I believe Martha gets irritated at her little sister for several reasons. Number one, back then, women in that culture didn't get the chance, nor were they allowed to be taught by rabbis in a formal or an informal manner. So when she saw Mary doing something that she was not allowed to do 
or forbade to do, she got upset. Secondly, she got irritated because as a family unit, it was all of their responsibility to host Jesus. Thirdly, she got irritated because service had become her focus in not sitting with Jesus. I just dropped something right there. Martha started off doing this in his honor. But somewhere along the line, it was no longer about Jesus, but rather became all about her. See, in her irritation, Brother Josh, she then confronts Jesus, the one she invited to minister to. She accuses Jesus, look at the text, of not caring about her and all that she had done for him. In other words, it became, Dr. Ken, all about Martha. And it started off all about Jesus. I think that's a good point to talk to a church plant. I'm a church planter. Planted 13 churches. Let me tell you something, church plant. It can easily go in this direction. You start off with the intent on doing something for Jesus. But then somewhere along the line, it's no longer about him, and it all now starts to be about you. Oh, I'm hunting for an amen right there. Here's what she said. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, she's telling God what to do now, ladies. Y'all see it right here? Tell her, Jesus. She's probably a sister. Tell her to help me to get in this kitchen, right? Martha's irritation in ministry and service came to her. Here's why. Here's why. She took her eyes off of the one she was called to serve, and she put them on herself. Can I give you the application here? Martha's irritation will always come to those servants who make the ministry all about them instead of the one you say you've been called to serve. When ministry becomes all about you instead of those you've been blessed to serve, irritation is on the way. Pastor, I've learned this in 31 years of serving. When ministry becomes a burden instead of a blessing, my focus has probably got off of God and I put it on myself. When ministry for God makes you complain to God, you're probably not doing it to honor God. (laughs) I feel like preaching right through here. Watch out, RCC, for ministry irritation. Can I share a story with you? Not long ago in the last church we just planted in New Beginnings in Fresno, we had a serious homeless problem in California. We began to pray like Brother Noah prayed this morning for our community and our zip code. And I began to ask God, oh God, give me access to the broken and the wounded. We want to serve them for you. And we started a food ministry. And the food ministry caused the homeless people to come and to be all around the campus. And some of them wanted to sleep on the campus. And I'll never forget one day when I was going into the office, there was a homeless brother on the front door of the step. 
and I had to step over him in order to get into the building. I went in, I was having one of those days. Y'all know, how many of you had one of those days? Okay, you don't even know what that day is, but you know I had one, right? I went into my office, I threw my bag down, and I came down, came back to the door with the intention on telling this young man, you can't sleep in front of the door of the church. So I, I, I knocked on the door. He didn't get up. I had to open the door. I said, brother, brother, I need you to get up. He didn't move. I know he heard me. So I came back and I shook him. Get up. You can't sleep here. He jumped up and he was hostile. And then when he got hostile, guess what? The old Watson me came out. And I got hostile. And I said, you can't sleep here. And before I knew it, brother John, I had went there because of my irritation. He drew back like this and said, are you going to hit me? Are you the pastor? And I said, no, I'm not going to hit you, but you can't sit here. I love you, and I'm just trying to serve you. Guess what he said to me? You don't love me. You don't know nothing about love. And right then and there, I heard God speak to me. What's wrong with you? You asked me to bring you to homeless. You asked me for the opportunity to change the zip code. You asked me for the privilege to serve. I'm just being transparent with you. Can I help you today? Beloved, sometimes the things we pray for, God gives to us, we then start to complain about what he's given us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed for something, then got irritated at the thing God brought to you? Okay, you're not going to say man, so let me give you a couple examples. You wanted a husband, and now something's wrong with him. You wanted a wife, and now you're irritated at the queen he brought you. Come on, say amen, ladies. You wanted children, and now something's wrong with the gifts God gave you. Irritation will sneak up on you when you least expect it, beloved. Irritation, here it is, will make you bitter and not better. Can I say some more? Have you ever asked God for an opportunity to work somewhere, serve somewhere, and then get the job assignment, and now you complain about the people you work with? (laughs) When that's the job God bless you with. Why did I say that? Because there's a little Martha in all of us. I want you to look at your neighbor next to you today. Go ahead and look at him. Say, neighbor, leave your Martha at home. Leave your Martha at home. The Martha mentality, it runs deep in humanity. One minute you're inviting folks to come hang out with you. Then in the next moment, you're complaining about what somebody else won't do. When you are the one that has been given the ministry and the invitation to serve. Well, we've looked at Martha's irritation. We've looked at Martha's invitation. Let me land the plane now and show you Martha's information. Can I get a witness? In verse 41 and 42, keep your Bibles open. The Bible says this, and Jesus answered and said to Martha, 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 you are worried, girl, and troubled 
about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary, your little sister, has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let me unpack this text. Thank you, RCC, for your patience today. It's been fun teaching you. When you come to this last portion of this narrative, we see Jesus give Martha some divine and practical information about herself, her service, and her situation. He says this, Martha, Martha. He's a lot like my mother, right? They call me two times, right? Why? He's trying to get her attention. He's saying, look at me. Zoom in on me. Secondly, he says, your mind is troubled. It's worried about many things. And then what he does is he explains her irritation. He says, you're irritated because worry and the what ifs have taken over your thinking. You know these two, right? The worries and the what ifs. She's worried about this and she's worried about that. And she's pondering, what if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? And all of these things caused her to be troubled about what she asked the Lord to do. She forgot. She had invited him to come to the house so she could serve him. And now she's troubled, worried, irritated, and she wants him now to do something. Fix this, Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus says to her so powerfully, Martha, one thing is needed. That one thing is the thing that Mary has chosen. And then he called it the good part. Here it is. Let me say it like this. Mary, I'm not, I'm sorry, Martha, I'm not going to talk to Mary and make her join you in your season of worry. I'm not going to do that because she's chosen that which is best. Uh, I'm not going to make Mary come and help you, Martha, because she has chosen the good part. Martha, I'm not going to make Mary stop learning about me and being with me. Because this is more important than your service for me. Oh, oh, that's good right there. Here it is. Let me put it to you in my Wilsonian language. Martha is better to sit with me and be blessed instead of being busy for me and stressed. Martha, it's better to sit with me, daughter, and be blessed instead of worried and stressed. It's better to sit with me and be blessed instead of irritated and stressed. Martha, it's better to sit with me and be blessed instead of serving and being stressed. Let me say it like this. Beloved, RCC, sons and daughters of the king, there's only one thing, baby, that's needed. 
That's a passion and a love for Jesus. And your service must flow out of that, not out of some misdirected call that you think you need to do this or you think God needs you to do it. Here's what I learned in 31 years of ministry. God don't need me to do nothing. He's God. I know what I've been created for. I've been created to worship him. And my service comes out of a life of worship, not out of 10 things I need to do. I just dropped an amen right there on myself. Here's what I learned. Maybe you can say amen right here. I've learned this. Angelus, don't put serving Jesus over being with Jesus. Don't make serving Jesus all about you and your preferences. Don't make what you do all you do. Don't be so consumed with doing a good thing that you forget the best thing. I'm talking to my A-type people today. Don't make doing something for Jesus get you irritated. You're giving you're singing, you're preaching, you're serving, you're helping shouldn't be more important than your being. Can I get a witness in the back? If you got to choose between one or the other, beloved, choose the good part. And if I were you, I'd choose to be with him instead of just being seen doing something for him. If I were you, I would choose to be with him over being busy for him. That's one thing I'm going to work on first with the college students at Wheaton College. Baby, God ain't impressed with your service. He's more inclined to your worship of him and being with him. If I were you, I would choose to be with him instead of being irritated for him. Here it is. I'm coming down. But if you're too busy doing stuff for him instead of being with him, as we say in my neighborhood, girl, you're doing too much. Can I give you an example? You're doing too much if you don't have time to stop and pray with God. You're doing too much if you don't have time to worship him through the week. If Sunday is the only time that you pause and worship him, you're doing too much. You're doing too much if you don't have time to sit under the authority of the word of God being proclaimed. You're doing too much if you don't have time to hear him speak to you every day that your eyes open. You are doing too much if you are irritated at, at what others are not doing because you're doing the most. You're doing too much if what you're doing is making you troubled and worried. Well, I got to leave you now. By the way, every good preacher gets to say that three times and then it happens. <laughs> but before I go, let me encourage you today. Choose the good part. Why? Because choosing Jesus will satisfy your deepest longings. 
Brother Josh, I married the most beautiful woman in the world. But guess what, brother? She can't satisfy my every longing. God did not make her for that. There's a God-shaped vacuum in me that only he can fill. God did not make your spouse or your children or your job or your desires to fulfill all of you. That's reserved for him. Choose the good part. Choose Jesus. Why? Because it's not about what you are, but who you are. Choose Jesus, beloved. He's the good part. He's called you to live for him, serve for him, preach for him, sing for him, live intimately with him. And when it's all over, if you would have chosen Jesus, you would have held on to the good part. Beloved, hold on to the Christ. It'll help you in a wicked and sin-sick world. Beloved, don't get distracted with the cultural norms or the misbehavior of the world. Hold on to Jesus. Don't get distracted with every fad or every initiative that blows to the church's door. The world does not teach the church. The church teaches the world. I wish I had an amen right through there. We have wasted good time chasing what the world wants you to celebrate or champion and have not proclaimed the gospel which saves the wicked, the dying, and the lost and gives them everlasting life. Choose the good part. Hold on to Jesus when injustice is overwhelming. Hold on to Jesus when disappointment closes in on you. Hold on to Jesus when Washington, D.C. is misbehaving. Hold on to Jesus when the wicked one has his foot on your neck. Don't forget, Jesus says Satan is the prince and the power of the air. That means he's controlling the world. Don't forget that or you'll get caught up in the world's agenda instead of the kingdom agenda. I just said something right there. Hold on to Jesus, RCC. Don't get distracted. Don't become one of these ministries that's off on the wrong thing. Our task is to lift up the Christ. He said, and if I be lifted up, good God Almighty, I'll draw all men unto myself. That's our job. And I need you to touch your neighbor and say, I believe that's right. Why should you hold on to the good part? I'll tell you why. Jesus makes the difference between victory and defeat. Jesus makes the difference between success and failure. Jesus makes the difference between promotion and failure. Jesus makes the difference between life and death. He makes the difference between what's good and what's bad. He makes the difference, Sister Wilson, love of my life, between righteousness and sin. Jesus makes the difference. And guess what, beloved? He made in my life a long time ago. A long time ago, I was lost and on my way to a burning hell. And somebody was kind enough to come into a juvenile institution and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my life was changed and I was saved and born again. And then I became that same messenger. Let me tell you, only the gospel can change lives. You know, legislation never makes a man behave. Only the gospel 
Being born again, Pastor Noah, will change somebody from the inside out. How do I know I got proof? I'm closing now, but one Friday night on a hill called Calvary, outside of the city of Jerusalem, the Son of God, Emmanuel, was stretched high, dropped low. They drove nails in his hand, a spear in his side, put a crown of thorns on his head, and for me and you, he died. And in that death, he conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave that you and I might be reconciled back into a right relationship with the Father. He died. Didn't he die? Can I get an amen? RCC, I say, didn't he die? They took his body and put it in the borrowed tomb, and y'all know the good news. Early Sunday morning, before the grass could get dew on it real good, Jesus the Christ was raised back to life by the Father. And now he sits at the right hand throne of God, making intercession for us. That's the good part. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus, beloved. While you can, there's nothing greater than the gospel. There's nothing more powerful than the church of Jesus Christ. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And you've just been called to be present in a dark and dying situation. Choose the good part. I'm through now, but I got a funny story. Can't give it to you. When I was a boy, couldn't wait for Sunday school to be out. My mama used to always give us a little dimes to put in to the children's offering. They had a candy store, Brother Carl, right next door to the church. And I couldn't wait. Every Sunday, I'd save my dime so I could run to that little store, Ellie. Olivia, I'd get there, and I had a favorite piece of candy. It was called the Apple Blow Pop. I love this little blow pop because on the outside it was a delicious coat of apple candy. But on the inside, it was a piece of bubble gum. But the blow pop was so hard you had to suck it for hours before you could get to the good part. Well, everybody else's candy was gone, I'd still have mine. But oh, when the time came, I'd get access to that bubble gum that was on the inside. Well, why did I tell you that story? Walking with Jesus... It's just like that. See, it's sweet to the taste. And every now and then in life, he allows me to taste that inner peace, that good part. Are you with me here? So I'm going through life now, and I'm experiencing the joys and the sorrows of life, but I'm waiting for the good part. And one day, I say one day, the skies are going to open. The trumpet is going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And together we're going to meet them in the air. And that's going to be the good part. When we get new bodies and new minds and we're all united together again with the Christ. Hold on, RCC. Hold on, RCC. The good part is coming. And all God's people said, bow your head with me for a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for this amazing visitation of your word. Thank you for our beloved sister Martha who teaches us how we need to be mindful of our cues for service and our neglect for sitting.
Now, Lord, we know you've given us gifts in our body to serve one another in our body, but help us not forget the good part, which is simply being with you, worshiping you, and giving you the best of our lives. Help our service not to take over our place for sitting with you and enjoying you. I pray now for RCC as she continues her journey, as she continues to make disciples in the dark and dying world, that she would remember the good part. Remember to stay focused on worship, focus on community, and out of that, gifts of service would flow to the community. Thank you, Lord. That it's not what we do for you, but it's who we are in you. So thank you so much. Bless us now as we descend down the mountain. And oh, Father, if there is one watching today, online or on land, and they have not made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, would you open their hearts in this moment? Would you give them the call to come and be a part of your family? And beloved, if you're online or you're on land and you are hearing my voice and you say, that's me, pastor, I don't know Jesus. I want to invite you today to make a decision for him. Simply pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner and I need my sin forgiven. Jesus, I'm sorry. Come into my heart and save me. I want you to be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Beloved, if you prayed that prayer today, then we believe that the Spirit of God saves those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God has been raised from the dead. If you made that decision today, would you call the church office? Pastor John would love to hear from you, to share words of encouragement with you and get you started in a life of discipleship. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>